are you listening to the whispers of your soul? In this podcast series hosted by Sally Ann Marler and Sibby Spencer, we and our guest speakers share life-changing events that started to unfold after hearing and following our own soul wisdom and how this influenced our path, mission and purpose. Your soul will guide you if you create the space for it to be heard and honoured. So keep listening to start weaving in the magic and wisdom of your soul. Let's go. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Whispers of the Soul, episode 22. I am Sally. And I'm Sibby. And today we are joined by the fabulous, the amazing, the one and only... Sally Race. She is with us today. Morning. Hi, Sally. So, um, a little bit about Sally. Um, She is the owner of Acorn Natural Health Centre in Hina. If you're local to Hina, why not bob along and uh, see her and her team? Um, Now, Sally works mainly with, um, mostly with using hypnotherapy and psychotherapy, specializing in helping people with anxiety and anxiety related conditions. Sally also sees people for weight loss and IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Now, she originally worked in the NHS as an occupational therapist back in the day. (laughs) and admits that back then she was very blinkered not looking at everything that wasn't evidence-based so she would never have expected to be doing what she does now or have the views that she has now her passion is helping people to become the best that they can be both in physical and mental health and to love themselves and love life. Hence our title today, How to Be Your Best Self. Welcome, Sally. Thank you. It's great to be here. I know we're so excited to talk to you. And um, it's a bit of a trip down memory lane for me because I used to work with Sally. And so we've got some lots of memories um, together. Yes. <laughs> lots of fun fun times. We have indeed. Yes, it always brings a smile to my face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one in particular, my my facial expressions when we were doing, we were recording videos when we were introducing therapists when I was working at Acorn. And um, yeah, Sally showed me one of the outtakes of my face, basically (laughs) doing something like this. (laughs) Sally, you're very good at faces, (laughs) doing faces. Which for those of you listening on the podcast, you can't see my face. But um, it's slightly silly. Um, <laughs> so, um, so Sally, we've we've done a little bit of an intro about you, but this, you know, on today's topic, how to be your best self. What what was it in your life that made you kind of focus or hone in on wanting to provide that help or support for other people to be their best self? I suppose it started when I was in the NHS because that's what the whole job was about. Um, as an occupational therapist, I was helping people to be able to function and live the life that they wanted to live, um, either using rehab or um, adaptations, that kind of thing. Uh, and then it went on to, I think, it stemmed out of working in the cardiac rehab team um, and working with people with anxiety Um, and stress to lower the stress so it was less um, strain on the heart 
And I'd be looking at research to make sure that what I was doing was all up to date. And I came across some things on hypnotherapy. Uh, they kept popping up in the search results and I kept just deleting them thinking, what has clucking like a chicken got to do with um, lowering somebody's stress levels? Although obviously, you know, laughter does do that. Yeah. But yeah. My thoughts of hypnotherapy back then were, um, you know, all just the entertainment kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually, because it kept popping up, I decided to read some of it. And uh, I was fascinated by the difference it could make in um, the areas of anxiety and stress. And as I've read more, I got more excited about it. I went and did a diploma in it and it kind of went from there. But that really sparked my interest mostly about how the mind works and how that impacts on how we feel and what we do and our beliefs and our values and how happy we are, essentially. Mm. So when I see people for whatever they come to me for, it's about essentially helping them to be the best that they can be yeah Mm -hmm. and getting rid of the issue that they come to me for is um is what brings them in the first place but yeah that's kind of it in a nutshell Mm. it seems it seems to be the thing um people are realizing now I think aren't they that that if you like you saying that that the reason they've come is kind of the symptom it's symptomatic of you know that they're maybe their life not being balanced or you know some kind of imbalance in the body would you agree that um they come for the symptom but actually you're treating the whole the whole self as it were does that that's it exactly I always find there's rarely one simple answer it's usually a combination of a few things so um when I speak to somebody I'll often ask them about you know the lifestyle the diet what other things are going off in their life and in their body because you need to look at the whole picture. And that's something I very much, um, when I worked in the NHS, for most parts, they look at the separate bits that are going wrong. Mm. But we are whole people. And sometimes the physical things that go wrong with us are because of the way that we think, even if we don't realise it. Um, so it's, it's usually a bit more complex than what we first realise. Yeah, that. That mind-body link mm. is is something that you know is so um, is so important to acknowledge, and and I think that sometimes in the the way that we live our lives now, it, it's almost classed as two separate things. It's like if something happens with the body, let's just focus on that, mm. or if something happens with mental health, let's just focus on that. But like you were saying, it's usually there are underlying causes that cross over that actually connect those two things and completely interlinked I mean when you think about it your your mind and body are completely reliant on each other yeah with our minds we can think about all the things that we want to do or the place we want to go or the things we want to see and do and enjoy Um, but we are completely reliant on our body being healthy and well enough to take us to those places and to experience those things Mm. So reliant on our body, but equally our body is completely reliant on our mind to make the decisions to keep it safe enough to function properly. So we need to drink the right amount. We need to eat a certain amount of food uh, with the right nutrients. We need to look both ways before we cross the road. Mm. You know, really 
all that sort of stuff is our body's reliant on our mind making those decisions for us and our mind's reliant on our body to be able to carry out the things that we want to do yeah. so there, there is no I don't think you can separate them out no no not at all and I think you know with the hypnotherapy when you first started you know training and and getting into hip- hypnotherapy was there stuff that you were realizing for the first time about how our minds work that kind of surprised you that maybe people listening to this podcast would be interested to hear oh definitely um that our mind actually runs our body so our subconscious mind it's like the main supercomputer that runs everything mm. it stores all our memories all of our um, beliefs our values our feelings and emotions all comes from this you know part of our mind that just kind of sits in the background controlling everything yeah um, we kind of feel that most of the time we know what we're doing and we're in control and we make the decisions consciously but actually most of it comes from our subconscious mind on autopilot mm, yeah um so essentially i help people to think differently mm. um when you think about it, you're already the best at being you. Nobody else can be better at being you than you are because you are unique and individual as we all are. So, and it's about loving your mind as as well as your body. So wearing the clothes that you want to wear, always wearing good underwear because nobody knows that you're wearing that. So, but you do. So that makes you feel good because- I need you're- to go to the shop. <laughs> You know, put on your best bra and pants, go to the oh, shopping, yeah. or you know, if, if you're a, if you're a bloke, put on your you know your nicest Kelvin Kleins um, or whatever. Our pants, <laughs> or so they think. <laughs> but That's yeah, it's a good tip, isn't it? Thinking about that because mm. that kind of helps you feel empowered. You know, yeah, it's just something that you know. Yeah, and don't keep your best clothes for best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all have grandparents that did that. My nana would be the same. She'd, like, wear slippers and her big toe would be coming out of either one. And I'd be like, nana, why don't you put one of your new slippers on? You've got, you've yes. got like, four in your wardrobe. Oh, I'm saving them for best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When's that? I know. <laughs> exactly. Life is too short. Yeah. So wear the things that make you feel good, that make you walk a little bit more upright that put a smile on your face when you look in the mirror and mm. um, yeah don't save them for best get them out give them an airing because you know we the one thing we don't know is how long we've got on this earth so make every day count and and yeah where what makes you feel good mm. um yeah but it's not it's not just that when you start to learn to love yourself again your mind as well as your body you start to put that first so if you, it's your self-talk as well. So if you think about that scenario, again, of, of when you fall in love with someone, you never say horrible things to them. You tell them all the good stuff, don't you? But when we are in a place where we don't love ourselves and we don't like our bodies, we, we have that inner dialogue of really berating ourselves and moaning about it. And then what often we talk to people about it oh I hate this you know I hate my bum I hate my boobs I hate this and the other and that is like being bullied by yourself yeah 
Yeah. So if you turn it around and think, you know, you could try it just for a week of this, right, for one week, I'm not going to be mean to myself. I'm going to treat myself as if I've just fallen in love. And yeah. I'm going to say, hey, look at you, pick out your best bits, go, nice perky boobies. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is, pick out your best bit and just compliment yourself on it. Mm. And be kind for a week. It will make a massive difference to how you feel on the inside. Yeah. It'll also make you want to treat yourself better in general. Because if you've got somebody you love, you don't want to feed them just junk food and horrible stuff that you know is going to make them ill in the long term. You want to give them all the best so that they feel energized and revitalized and, and wonderful. And it's the same with yourself. You deserve to eat well. You deserve to feel that boost of energy that eating nutritious food does. And I'm not talking about, you know, the just eating salads and dieting. This isn't yeah. about dieting. This is about eating nutritious stuff that's really going to make your body go, wow, thank you. Because mm, yeah. quite often we choose foods with our minds, don't we? And we're bombarded with advertising and stuff. Yeah. Um, which makes, you know, people think that certain takeaway foods and fast food things are trendy mm. and nice. Mm. You actually look at the nutritional value, that's they make your body go sluggish. And yeah. sluggish. Yeah, I think I think convenience is a big issue that, that obviously gets marketed a lot. You know, mm. you can just do this for convenience, just eat that for convenience. It's it's you've got no time, you're busy with your lives, you know, doing this, this and this. And it's yeah. it's a really easy trap, I think, to fall into. And I know something mm. I've done before and I'm like, I've not got time to make myself anything nice. But but if I'm 100 percent honest behind that thought of I've not got time to make myself anything nice is I can't be bothered to do that for myself anyway. Mm. And that's what sits, that's that driving force that's sitting behind, you know, and, and I think that what I found with me with, with some of my thoughts was how exactly how you've explained Sally is, um, would I speak like this to somebody else? I kept yeah. coming back to that same question yeah. and the, the, the obvious answer is no, of course you wouldn't. You'd never no. say what you say to yourself in your head out loud to somebody else because you'd feel awful. You'd like, why would I even yeah. do yeah. that? And that was a big game changer in my, in my mind of, of kept, you know, keep, keep reminding myself, would you say that to somebody yeah. else? Yeah. Um, because I think it can be a real, it can creep up on you and you can do it almost without realizing, can't you? It almost becomes automated in itself. Yeah. That yeah. little voice. I, I was thinking about negative self-talk as well that it's um that there's that saying isn't there where energy goes energy grows and mm. the more you hear yourself saying those things the more they become a belief don't they and and they probably I'm not um won't be as knowledgeable as you but I once it's a belief it's then stored isn't it so yeah. and and I think that's what I found very difficult so I it mine was all through my teens I found it very difficult to re sort of rewire <laughs> and even now I'm sure there's still a path oh I know there is there's still a, a, a pathway or two that I'll go down you know but they're not as well established anymore if you see what I mean oh yeah yes completely so, yeah and behind that that when when we're growing all the way up 
until we stop physically growing and a little bit beyond actually um our mind is kind of writing a manual so when we experience anything for the first time especially when it's quite emotional it's like our mind goes and goes right I'll write that in the manual so that when I come across this again I can refer back to it and I know what to do mm. so it, it it kind of creates this how-to manual and then when we're adults when we come across something that's maybe slightly emotional our subconscious mind goes back to that manual have a little read and goes oh yeah I'll react like that because this is what I need to do. And you're like, why am I feeling like this? Why am I behaving like this? Because you don't realize that that your behaviors then are coming from things that have happened probably in your childhood. Mm. But your subconscious mind is going back to that manual to have a look at how to react. And and it doesn't always help you in your adult life. Mm. Um, But Mm. that is changeable because, like you said, when you become aware of it, when you raise your awareness, um, it opens the door to be able to make some changes. And you know what you said about you've still got some little pathways, but they're not as strong now. That's because when you make a conscious decision to change something and you keep repeating the changed behavior, it's a little bit like, um, the, so the neural pathways are very much like pathways through a field. That's how I like to think of them. Um, you've been walking up and down that pathway for a long time over the years and that pathway is clear to see in the grass because the grass no longer grows on that bit but when you become consciously aware of it and try to make the change then you start walking in a different direction and flattening the grass in that area so the old area starts to grow over Mm. and becomes less strong so when you walk into that field for a long time you have to consciously make your mind up to follow the new path. Mm. And yeah. then if you do it for long enough, the old one will grow over. Yeah, that's a good so it, it, I, I like that um, because I can really picture that. Um, I can really picture that path and the, yeah, the, the, where the grass doesn't grow and yeah, the, the yeah. habitual, <laughs> the one that you always go down. Yeah. Um, you see, repetition gets picked up by our subconscious mind. So whatever we repeat over and over and over again, our subconscious mind is pre-programmed to look out for repetition and to go, oh, I see you keep repeating that. I'll save your conscious mind the energy of keep processing that. I'll put it on autopilot. Yeah. One thing it doesn't do is it doesn't assess whether that's good for you or not. So if you're repeating behavior that isn't good for you, it will still eventually put it on autopilot. So it's good to raise awareness of the behaviours that we've got to become consciously aware so that then we can make the changes that we want to make, start repeating a better pattern of behaviour. And then eventually our subconscious mind will take that on board and make it happen. But it has to be repeated over and over and over again. Mm. Much like anything, when, when we learn something new, it's hard work because we're using our conscious mind and that takes a lot of energy. Yeah. But when you've done it for a little while, say if you start a new job, it's hard in that first week, you come home and you're exhausted, even if you're doing a job where you're sitting down, Mm. um, because it's cognitively, quite consciously draining because you're using all that power. But the more you do, the more you repeat it, the more your subconscious mind takes it on board and puts it on autopilot. And then, you know, when you've been in the job a while, it's automated and you just turn up and get on with it. And it's you know, not got the yeah. same impact. And yeah. it's the same with anything that we do. 
Yeah. I, I just I wanted to talk to you about anxiety because it's something that I suffered from for a very long time. Um and mindfulness was what um was what actually managed to um I managed to get my anxiety under control using mindfulness in the end. That was the thing that helped. Um, and I know with anxiety, um, similar to the way the subconscious, you know, it doesn't recognize if it's good or bad. It just stores it. Um, I've been looking into the, the, the fight, flight, freeze. Um, I know we talked about it a bit on one with Joe. With Joe yeah. And um, the, the, the fight front god <laughs> fight flight like freeze <laughs> try and say that when you've had a few gin and tonics um that's would you say that's also something that because obviously with anxiety it's um you you may be triggered but actually there isn't really a threat you know, there might be but do you know what I mean a lot of the time it's it's a it's um a perceived threat or your body perceives it as a threat or your mind um but in in physical reality there's no um lion chasing you or you yeah. know what i mean um how do you work with with that with hypnotherapy how does how do you um in a nutshell kind of tackle anxious thoughts is there sort of a particular way of it varies from person to person um mostly i will work with people with inner child work for uh, anxiety if it's been there you know for a while um because you know going back to when I said your mind writes a manual of how to react mm, yeah so um our minds write this manual and then when we come across situations in the future it refers back to it so if we've had a scary experience or um it doesn't need to be scary as in feeling threatened but even just as a child, we need a carer there to look after us and help us. If we feel isolated in any way or that we've not got somebody's not there for us at that particular time, um, even if it's just like a one-off incident, then um, our minds can write in that manual, you know, that this is a time to be afraid. And then when something reminds your mind of that, even as an adult, it can bring those feelings back and you think, where has this come from? Mm. So for the most part, um, I'll use inner child work and we'll look for um, the child that needs, the child part within us, if you like, that needs to feel secure and healed and comfortable. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's That's kind of one of the techniques, but everybody's so different. So I usually have a good chat with somebody first and then yeah. um, I will work something around specifically for that person um, mm-hmm. as it's needed but for a lot of the time with hypnotherapy we kind of ask the subconscious mind to bring up what the problem is mm-hmm. yeah and the majority of the time your mind knows what's wrong you, you just need to give it the opportunity to bring that up and then we work with it mm. because consciously we don't always know what's going off in our subconscious mind I love that because it's that asking sometimes you just have to ask don't you <laughs> you know yeah. you kind of you kind of like look externally a lot of the time don't you mm. for for answers but sometimes if you just open it up yeah. and say it, either your subconscious or your higher self or however you want mm. to sort of view mm. it mm. and and the answer will come yeah yeah do you find do you find that if people have had 
sort of repeating patterns or anxiety for a long time, is that harder to kind of help them get back on track or heal than no. people that have had it? Because I'm just wondering, because I know with hypnotherapy, you can get results pretty quickly. So, so I, I guess I'm asking if the patterning has been there within your subconscious for a long time, does that make it more challenging for you to help? No. Um, it doesn't make any, any difference whether it's just been a short-term thing or a, or whether it's been there for years. It's about um, how we get on in each session, finding what's causing the problem and, and healing it. So it's not that it's more of a challenge. Um, sometimes it can take a few more sessions with someone that's had it for a long time. Not always. Um, yeah. But it is about re-establishing new neural neural pathway so when we change things um in our minds it actually changes the physical makeup of our brains like so it's not just thoughts that change your brain actually changes physically which mm. you know i think that's so amazing, that's really amazing. Cool. yeah by, just by so thinking amazing, things differently mm. structurally our brain changes um, it, it's it makes you realize like how much power you have because I think we we can often, like going back to external, but we can often feel like things are happening to us all the time, can't we? Mm. It make it, you know, but it makes you realize we just we've just got so like to if we've got the power to actually change, yeah, the structure of our brains. I mean, that is, which then goes on to change the structure of our bodies. I'm guessing, yes. So, exactly. mm. yeah. Um, and when you think about it, the power of our subconscious mind is so. It really is. It's the most powerful tool that we have. So it's the thing that um, can drive people to do things like, I don't know, climbing to the summit of Everest, mm. knowing that you could lose fingers or toes or even your life. And there's not even a good pub or restaurant when you get to the top. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but it, that drive comes from there. But it's equally the same part of our mind that can keep someone trapped in the home that don't go out the front door. Yeah. Mm. So it's amazingly powerful. Um, And when we learn kind of how it works and how we can steer it in different directions, then we, you know, we have more control over where our lives go and how things pan out. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes so much sense because it's, it's, and it's almost, I feel like it's almost, a tool that's not really um, taught about through any mainstream that we have currently outlet where, you know, they don't teach, mm. for example, this in with kids in schools, or you don't kind of, you know, you don't, you don't learn about that on your in, in induction days at work. You just learn, no. learn where the fire hazards are and who's who. Yes. And I, I, it's like we kind of skip over yeah. all this important stuff that makes up who we are how we are our behavior you know reflects our per- personality and and so much more you know holistically on a soul level it it's just so big and yet ha- doesn't have the spotlight no very often no. I, I mean i don't get me started on the education system <laughs> don't go, go sally we go sally <laughs> once we get started as well we go but yes. I just think, you know, this is the major things. It, it's missing. Yeah. Because kids will learn much better if they feel comfortable in themselves. Mm-hmm. And if if 
they're helped to feel comfortable in the self as a fundamental part of the education system, then they'll do better overall. Yeah, yeah. But we'll not go down that road. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's interesting because I know, you know, uh, obviously you worked in the NHS and so I'm thinking about placebo, you know, they've they've used placebo things in trials for Mm. decades. So there's, Obviously, there's been an awareness, you know, of the power of your mind and, you know, that you that you can almost heal yourself. You know, you can have a pill that's not does not, not actually doing anything. So there's been this awareness. And yet and yet, obviously, when you were working, you know, as an occupational therapist, that the the access to alternative, you know, um, treatments and things was mm. not really not easy to to find, was it? Which mm. I and I know that there's probably theories on why that is I'm sure that there's partly it's to do with the establishment (laughs) but you know obviously ancient wisdom you know there's so much ancient wisdom Mm. that that you know focuses on the power of your body to heal and the power of your mind Mm. you know and altered states of consciousness and stuff um and I'm just wondering why do we I don't know there's probably myriad answers but why we think we've been so slow in you know western medicine to kind of Mm. do you know what I mean to kind of take advantage of that money that's exactly what I was (laughs) was kind of thinking that I was thinking I wonder if anyone will say but yeah it's money um if there's no big profits to be made in it by the big companies then they won't invest in it. And to do research costs a lot of money. Mm. And they'll only do that if it's going to make them more money, a lot more money than what it costs to do the research. So, you know, when I said about I was blinkered when I used to work in the NHS, because for me back then, if it didn't have um, an evidence base of research, I wasn't interested. Mm. Mm. I think very differently now because I know that, um, I know that there's a lot of research done in pharmaceutical companies and um, if it doesn't show the results that they want it to show, that it doesn't ever get published. Yeah. And they only publish the ones that eventually come out showing that it yeah. works to an extent because it's going to make them a lot of money. And for things that don't make a lot of money, you know, the kind of uh, natural therapies, um, pe- the pe- individual people that provide those services don't have the kind of money to put into that research. So these, there is evidence and evidence based out there, but not very much because, yeah, it's yeah. all down to cash. Yeah. Mm. And what I've realised over the years is that um, just because there's no evidence base or a little evidence base doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means nobody's put the funding up to do it. And I think, you know, like for for anxiety that I deal with mostly, if every time someone saw a doctor, the first thing that they said was, I want you to learn to meditate. Yeah. Listen to some guided meditations every day for this long and and go down that route first. Be that the first thing. But what normally happens for the majority is it's a prescription written out for medications. Yeah. Yeah. And those medications help some people. Um. They don't help everyone. They have side effects. And I think it's not, it shouldn't be the first port of call. 
Okay. There are so many other ways. And also it's a sticking plaster. It's a sticking plaster on something of the symptoms. It's not actually helping the cause for you to move forward. And and it creates yeah. a dependency, doesn't it, on something that you have to then get from somewhere. And it's true that the body can mm. heal itself of many things. And I'm I'm the same. I agree that medicine, you know, there's been like like you say, so many lives saved with medical breakthroughs and things like that mm-hmm. but how that would free up so much money for the NHS you know like if if somebody who could think in a higher way and and see it from that you know from that perspective actually to reduce the the use of mm. tablets and medicine and the production and the money that that could free up I think as well that's not just with me- medicine or health it's with everything and it's I feel like right now the responsibility has to come back to the individual. The individual has to say, well, actually, it's my body. I need to make the right decision for myself. And yes, ask, ask experts, ask other people. But, then, but in, essentially, it's up to you. It's your health. It's your body. Mm. No, I agree. Yeah. It's about look, not just taking everything on face value that somebody's telling yeah. you everything you need to know because there are lots of different options for everything. And yeah. it's about exploring that and then doing what you feel is right because yeah. you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So you, have, you have to do a little bit of digging and exploring. Um, Sally, say that again. I like that. You don't know what you don't know. Um, <laughs> you're listing people that's that is so so valid mm. so yeah such a big thing and maybe and maybe this age that we're in where you can get information so much more easily you know maybe that is all part of of this process because we can now research more easily and you know what I mean and make choice more informed choices let's say and don't dismiss your intuition yeah don't dismiss your where the wisdom comes through when you use your intuition because Mm. sometimes that doesn't make rational sense but it might be the right it might steer you in the right direction Mm. yeah yes indeed we don't always do that though no (laughs) so sally for people listening um how to be your best self have you got any kind of top tips and top advice any stories you want to share about yourself your journey or clients you've worked with um I'd say about self-belief and things my I left school with um very low level exam results um I was told I wouldn't do very well and when it came to careers day and they said, what, what do you want to do? I thought, well, I can't be like animals, so maybe a vet. And I kind of got a bit of a smirk directed at me. And then, a, why don't you think about working in a shop? God. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not very clever. So I, I left school. I went to work in a shop and um, thinking that I would, that, that would be it really. Um, I wouldn't really do anything with my life because I wasn't clever enough. Um, and it was some years after I was um, working for the local council and they uh, 
had this mandatory course at the local college, which really scared me, actually, the thought of going into this, this college, but it was just this separate thing that the council made us do. And um, it was one of the tutors at that college. I can't remember her last name. Her first name was Victoria. Um, and she said, what do you, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> do you want to do that for the rest of your life? Not really. Well, what do you want to do? Oh, well, there's so many things. What would you really like to do? Mm. I said, well, sometimes when I've been like doing this job in the council, I was a home help then. Um, I run into occupational therapists and sometimes they come in and they they do the ideas. They follow them through that I've come up with already. Oh, I'd really love to do that. And she said, well, why don't you? And I said, oh, well, you know, you need a degree for that. I said, well, go and get one. I was like, but you need, I can't even go to college. I'm not, you know, you need a degree at university. And she said, well, go and find out exactly what you need and then go and do it. And she sparked something in me mm-hmm. and uh, I went and found out, and yes, she did need a degree and I needed A-levels to be able to get on the degree course, which I kind of thought, well, I can't do that. So I went I went back for my next week's session um, of this mandatory training. And uh, and I told her, and she said, yes, she can. Did her meal at South East Derbyshire College. So make some inquiries, see what you can do. So I did. And I got on and I got my qualifications in a year and applied to Derby University and got in and did my degree. That's amazing. And so I went from thinking I couldn't, Mm. one person tilted that balance. Mm. And what I found was that you don't need to be clever to do a degree. You need the drive. You need the want to do it. Absolutely. Um, And so so I did it. And that kind of makes me realise that, you know, when I see a client, I know that they've got this amazing capacity to do much more and be much more of who they want to be you've just got to tap into how you can make it work for you Mm. um so I guess my top tips for improving is um what you eat start with the basics because what you eat and drink that affects your mood and your self-worth not just your own you know your weight it's your overall health you'll feel better on the inside it lifts your mood you can do more when you eat really nutritious food. doesn't mean you have to cut out all junk, but fit more nutritious stuff in. Mm-hmm. Um, think about what you're feeding your brain. So, you know, read. If you're not into reading, use audio books, listen to podcasts that really light your fire. And like this one. You, know, yeah. like this one. <laughs> um, you can do things like that whilst you're doing the housework, whilst you're mowing the lawn, so it doesn't have to take extra time if you're already busy things that you watch so um drop eastenders i did that some years ago <laughs> me too yeah my big advice is drop the news oh god oh, yes I did that years ago as well yeah, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. we think that's important and actually you will always hear about the stuff that's important for you um, the news is very depressing. I don't actually believe that we're told always the truth. 
No, me neither. It's quite often a bit skewed. So I'd drop that completely. I did years ago and I've been happier since. And I've not missed out on anything that's important. Yeah, I think we've both, um, years ago, like years ago, dropped. We both did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, I I feel better for it. The whole situation with the pandemic for me really drove that message home of after a while, it's like, this is just, okay i'll own this as my opinion but this is just scaremongering outright scaremongering um Mm -hmm. and that kind of sent me on a well as you know sally that sent me down many a rabbit hole (laughs) (laughs) which we don't have time for for today but yes but it's also an imbalanced it's an imbalanced view of humanity it's all the bad stuff isn't it all bad stuff yes so instead, when you're picking something to watch, pick something that's nourishing for your brain. Pick something fun, you know, pick stuff yeah. that's going to make you feel good. Yeah. And that goes for people that you spend time with as well. So pick people who have a positive outlook, um, successful people in the way that you also want to be successful. So the things that you want to achieve in life, pick out people that are already achieving that and spend more time with them see less of or cut out completely the negative nellies and the move movers and i know sometimes <laughs> <it's a> <laughs> like that yeah. i know because sometimes like you, you in a good mood and you spend some time with a certain person and you come away thinking i'm exhausted and i feel drained and all oh, my good mood's gone it's been sucked up <laughs> yeah um, Sometimes it's difficult because sometimes they can be family members that you don't necessarily want to cut out, but it's about setting boundaries and maybe seeing a bit less of them Mm. and spending more time with people that are good because we are energetic beings. We exchange energy and the more we surround ourselves by happy, wonderful people that really make us feel good, then the better we're going to feel, which is is good. Mm. Yeah, meditate. Oh, yeah. Believe yeah. in in meditation and guided visualization. Yeah, um, it's completely free. It has so many health benefits, both physical and mentally. Um, yeah, I don't know why the NHS don't make much more out of that. My husband and I started doing. Um, he does five minutes, so I do ten minutes in the morning. Um, about three years ago, and we we. It, it has totally changed our lives really mm. it, and, and it's literally five he does five minutes and and it just yeah. makes his day it his day just takes on a different um a different feel you know he just feels yeah. more able to cope with things and mm. yeah I, yeah it's such a little thing that's free and can make have such a big impact um, and it's so easy like people think that you have to it's complicated, but all I do is stick my headphones in, find a meditation on YouTube and listen to that. That's all I do, lie in bed. Yeah, you don't have to sit cross-legged oh, and, no, no. You know, with your, your hands on your knees or anything no. like that. Um, and if you're not sure about it or where to start, there are people that run meditation classes out there um, mm. so you can go and learn with other people. Sorry, I was just thinking of Sibby. <laughs> you were talking about that laughing meditation class oh yeah you can do laughing meditations can't you yes i I can't i've never done it but you have you did it live on the oh you mean that was an accidental laughing meditation that was oh dear we had a bit of a giggle about that didn't we (laughs) 
Well, there is definitely laughing no yoga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes, you know, with some people, not all, all people, but with some people, I think they put meditation in a different box that doesn't feel accessible mm-hmm. to them. But it's but it's so it accessible is. now, isn't it? And you know, I, I when I remember when I was working with the, the Derby Women's Centre and we would we did some some meditation visualization work and some of their uh, responses to it was as soon as they went into it their head got busy Mm. Um, which in my experience when I started doing it that's how I found it to be it you know you it takes practice but if somebody said to me right at the start that's fine that's that's yeah that's normal if you're not used to doing that your head's gonna try and fill the void it's gonna start chatting about stuff yeah i think a lot of people think the meditation is the now clear your mind yeah yeah and yeah. the human mind isn't designed clear. to be clear no. if it's clear you are dead yeah <laughs> so there should when always you meditate be when you're dead <laughs> there should always be something in your mind but it's about slowing those thoughts down and that takes practice and you get better at it yeah. And things will still pop into your mind and sidetrack you now and again. They do for me even now after all these years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you recognise that. And when you recognise that your focus has slipped, then it's about saying, oh, I'll bring my focus back to what I'm focusing on. Because you will always be focusing on something. You'll never yeah. have an empty mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Sally, if people want to connect to you or find out more about your work or your services um and all the wonderful things you offer how can they do that uh, they can find me online um if you google sally race clinical hypnotherapy i will no doubt pop up on my website or socials and you will find me there awesome Thank you, sally that was so interesting it's really great to talk to you Great to talk to you too. (laughs) It was, and I think that you know, for people listening, I'm sure that there there were a few gems in that conversation. That a few takeaways that people, yeah, definitely, you know, yeah, will fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, lovely. Oh, thank you so much, Sally. Thank you, Sally. Thank you. Take care. You too. Thanks for listening. So if you would like to connect to us elsewhere in the multiverse, well, you can. You can find me, Sally, at thecreativeview.co.uk or on Instagram as the.creative.u. For Sibby, her website is healingrights.com and she's also on Instagram as Sibby Rights. Lots of love. See you soon. <laughs>